Professors FM. Doug, as you know, we have joined the Professors FM podcast network. So it's extremely exciting. It's like for the first time in my life, I'm going to have academic friends. This is big. And as part of this, we're going to talk about some of the other shows on the network. One of the things we talk a lot about in terms of sports analytics is the role of incentives, right? It's all about incentives. And so one of the other shows on the network is called Taxes for the Masses, brought to you by Lisa DeSimone from the University of Texas and Bridget Stomberg from Indiana University. And so what these two ladies do is they dive into all things taxes. I think it's a great compliment to what we do. In some ways, there's nothing bigger in public policy than taxes in terms of shaping the economy and society because taxes change how people behave. So, you know, give it a listen. Great show. Hey, welcome everyone. Welcome to the Fanalytics Podcast brought to you by the Emory Marketing Analytics Center, uh, brought to you this week by Mike Lewis and Doug Battle. How are you, Doug? I'm doing well, Mike. We had a good weekend of football. I will say it couldn't have gone much worse for me. I was really hoping to see my guy Joe Burrow. I uh, wanted the Brock Purdy upset. That was kind of the matchup I was looking for. So it couldn't have gone much worse. But hey, no one was resuscitated on the field. So you can't take those things for granted anymore with the NFL. It could have been worse, actually. Yeah, Doug, I got two directions to go with it. I, you know, and I, and I think we start with, you know, during the college football season, we started, a, we started a lot of episodes talking about sort of fan of the week. I think we had some of that kind of activity, not oh, yeah. as beautiful as the Tennessee guys and the overalls and the goalposts in the river. And, and then we can get to the, to the football. So, I don't mean, know, start lighthearted, move to the – more statistical. More I love it. Okay. I love it. Yeah. Okay, Doug. So here's my observation and a little bit of backstory on this. So uh, back about 15 years ago, I was doing some research on the role of appearance in politics. And, you know, one of the things about social sciences is that the results are either obvious or they're probably wrong or fraudulent. OK, and so the the mind numbing stuff I found in terms of politics and th there was a little bit of twist to this story is that you wanted your Republican candidates or Republican voters wanted their Republican candidates to look like CEOs, like very competent, very kind of trustworthy. You know, and, and on the Democratic side, candidates that did better were more intellectual looking. And so it was almost like the CEO or the captain of the football team versus the 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 kid in the band or the professor right and and so sure. make some sense right these kind of stereotypes yeah but one of the takeaways from that is just authenticity okay and it's like people want authenticity and that's been the terribly overused word in the corporate world right where in the political world where authenticity is like people don't actually know what it means it's like i'm going to pretend to be genuine right this is the usual implementation but that occurred to me as we were <laughs> kind of a long wind up for this, but that occurred to me in terms of some of the stuff we saw the last week um, and two things in particular, Patrick Beverly with a camera <laughs> and the Cincinnati mayor essentially saying that, uh, how did he say this? That basically uh, Joe Burrow was Pat Mahomes daddy, right? Right. Yeah. One of those, well, and you, I mean, you tell me what you think. I, I, I enjoyed one 
and I thought the other was, you know, like watching the Say by the Bell kids sing, just cringeworthy. Yeah. So uh, Pat Bev, that guy is just constantly providing great content for meme makers out there. Last year, celebrating making the NBA playoffs like his team had won the championship for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I guess that was last year or two years ago. Um, And this year, for those listening that don't know what we're talking about, LeBron James was debatably fouled. I don't know. Lakers fans I know don't think it's debatable. He was fouled on a potential game-winning shot at the end of a layup. He was – well, we talked a little bit about this via text. He was fouled by 2023 LeBron James standards, not (laughs) by 1993 Michael Jordan Detroit Detroit Pistons standards. Exactly. And we we need to see – those two uh combined because or side by side because it was uh it was a pretty light foul for a strong guy and he threw a full out temper tantrum afterwards um and that's become a meme people have said you know how no context what is lebron responding to here and i saw one that said this is alabama fans finding out you actually have to win your regular season games to make the college football playoff um, a lot of different applications for that meme. But Pat Bev going into the audience, getting a, a reporter's camera coming onto the court and showing the referee, showing the official on the camera where the contact was made from LeBron. Really creative by Pat Bev. He's a innovative uh, fellow and didn't go so well for Pat. Teed up. Okay. And let me ask you this. That could have cost him the game. Pat Beverly, authentic or inauthentic? 100% authentic. 100% authentic, He's, right? And he, we've talked about him before. People yeah. who pull for whatever team he plays for love the guy. They, He's blood, sweat, and tears. Like, he gives it his all. He's gritty. He's And if you're playing against Pat Beverly, he's obnoxious. He's dirty. He's any bad thing you can name. He is the most irritating player in the NBA to play against. And I think it's funny when a guy like that, when he plays, like when he played for the Timberwolves, I bet you Lakers fans hated him when the Lakers would play the T-Wolves. And now he's probably beloved by the Lakers community. And I don't know if the Timberwolves will ever hate him uh, after last year and last season, but he is a, he's kind of a perennial underdog and he, he's like a, He's like a little chihuahua that barks at the big dogs. That's that's Pat Bev as a basketball player. And I respect it. I respect it. He entertains. And he's 100% authentic. You're right, Mike. Yeah, no, I, I – you know, and in some ways, the way you described it, that reminded me of, you know, back in the 90s with the Bulls when Dennis Rodman was the most, the most annoying guy in the NBA. Right. And then he became a Chicago Bull, and he's fully embraced. Yes, 100%. Right. And I mean, I remember going back, I remember when Pat Beverly, Pat Beverly was in high school and Illinois had a strange recruitment with the guy. And at that point it was like, yeah, what's, what's going on with this? But, you know, as you've seen that career play it out, it's like, that's just who he is. And I can definitely imagine a college coach passing on that because my sense is that personality probably hasn't changed much. Right. But yeah, I mean, if you, if you were going to give me one Laker, if I, if you were, I was going to win a raffle and get a Laker jersey. I want the Patrick Beverly jersey. Yeah, don't give me LeBron. I I don't want LeBron. (laughs) Let's do mainstream. Anthony Davis. Give me Pat Bev. I think before it was Caruso when he played. Now he's with the Bulls. Uh, He was kind of that guy that he was scrappy and a fan favorite that was 
uh you don't like seeing you don't like losing to that guy so pat bev giving us the entertainment i think you know i saw that randy johnson became a photographer post playing career as a as a uh, pitcher the six foot ten pitcher yeah yeah that guy the, vaporized he's a, the bird right he's a professional photographer now and i think pat bev yes. i think he's got to go that route i think he you know if he's not in if he's not in an advertisement for Canon or Nikon or Kodak, somebody's not doing their job. Okay. And this was my other thought about, you know, this kind of issue of genuine and what, what resonates. I felt like we had a, like a social media moment. And, and again, you know, Patrick Beverly bringing out, getting the camera. I don't think he's going for, you know, likes via social media, but He'd be really good at it, wouldn't he? Oh yeah, you know. And, and then in the contrast, we had the mayor of Cincinnati, who a hundred percent forgot what his job was and decided he he was an influencer, I think, and wanted to go viral. And yeah. I I don't think anyone likes what he did. I you know, if I'm a Cincinnati citizen, which I'm not, and I don't know what side of the aisle that guy's on, by the way. He's not getting my vote next go round because as a sports guy, you never can be too sure as to what causes bad luck. Um, but we all know, and this is just a fact that jinxing a game is a thing, right? <laughs> that is a fandom fact. And you can't <laughs> say things like that, especially publicly and expect good things to happen to your team. If he had said it after the game, I think it would have been well received had the Bengals won the game. Uh, but prior to the game, making that kind of statement, giving, the Kansas City Chiefs bulletin board material, not good. And, you know, I, it reminded me of something. I think you remember this, Mike. Earlier this year, Eric Ainge, former quarterback for Tennessee, coming out and making some comments about the Georgia fan base specifically before his team played in Athens. That came back to buy them. If I'm a Tennessee fan, I don't appreciate that. And the commonalities I see is these are two football entities, uh, you know, teams, programs, whatnot franchise that are successful now that are not used to being successful and those fan bases tend to get ahead of themselves with such things i remember being at the national championship game 2017 georgia alabama georgia's up i don't know 13-0 at half over bama two touchdowns right as i mean for me that is not a comfortable lead for some of the people in there, after years of suffering as a Georgia fan, Georgia had already won the national championship. And in the bathroom, bathroom, by the way, at these games, uh, halftime, whatever, during a game, it could be a pretty hilarious environment where you have both fan bases doing uh, taking care of business. And a lot of people feel the need to show their superiority <laughs> for the <laughs> others. Um, I'm always a little embarrassed by Georgia fans in those settings. But uh, the, yeah, so we had guys in there telling Alabama, dynasty's over, you know, George is the king, Kirby's Nick Saban's daddy, all those things. And I'm just like, this isn't going to end well. Like the fact that you guys are saying this, Alabama's going to win this game. And they did. Um, and, and so as a fan, like, I don't like to hear those things. If I'm a Bengals fan, if I'm a Cincinnati citizen, not a huge fan of that. And I'm not sure what he was trying to achieve as mayor. I guess... <laughs> brownie you points know, but it backfired in my opinion well yeah i mean as a politician i mean you know your best case scenario is trying is he's trying to unite the city the worst case scenario is he's trying to go viral because he wants to be the governor of ohio right uh i President, looked it up maybe 
Yeah. Well, eventually, I, I looked it up. He's a Democrat. I don't. Know, that okay. seems kind of irrelevant. I think, but sure. You know, I, but there is something like you use that phrase. You know, this. I mean, I mean, I'll just sort of stop myself short here. But you know, like this phrase of "I'm your daddy" or "Who's your dad?" I mean, how, how's that a victory for anyone, right? I mean, let alone a, a, a mayor of a city. It's like you know, listen to yourself for a second. Also, yeah, you're talking about two What's grown men. Direction? You're a grown man talking about two other grown men uh, in a silly game. Like, I get it. I think it's fun when when the mayor, yeah. when, you know, when the politicians celebrate the the victories or whatnot. But to celebrate prematurely, start claiming fatherhood of another man prior to a football game. It's a bit of a bold move and it could easily backfire. And that's exactly what we saw. Well, and know, know your strengths. If you know how to trash, look, there's some people that are glorious in this world in terms of trash talking, right? And and, yeah. and uh, Travis Kelsey was channeling one of those glorious trash talkers sort of on the, on the flip side of this. Uh, I looked up where the word jabroni came from. A lot of people attribute that to the rock, right? And I think that's where he's, he's going with it. <sighs> You know, and, and there's no offense intended to the mayor of Cincinnati, but The Rock is built for that, and The Rock has put years into doing that. Don't do, don't, don't, you know, record th- sixty seconds with no production value. Throw that up there on YouTube and think you are going to be a WWE quality wrestler. It's just, you know, you got to think through this stuff. Um, yeah, he should have consulted with Pat Beverly. Let's see who else could have been a good consultant for him. Anthony Edwards. I don't know if you saw him. He acted in that basketball movie with Adam Sandler. Came out. I don't know in the summer or something. I can't make myself watch that, man. Okay. I mean, if you want me to, I will. But I didn't I watch the movie, but I saw the film. I saw the scene or, or some of the scenes with Anthony Edwards. And if you watched it, you would think, "Wow, this guy is a natural actor. He's got an oh. acting career ahead of him." But I, you know, I think he's just a natural trash talker, and that was his role, and he was just yeah. being himself. And so some of these guys, they've got it. I don't know that the Cincinnati mayor had it. I'd love to know his sports background. Did he play sports? You were just talking, Mike, about the types of people on it with each side of the aisle who become politicians who who earn those leadership roles. And uh, based on your analysis, this may not have been a former athlete. And so I'd be curious to know, but certainly not leaning into his strengths. You know, if anything, I think it's smart to try to piggyback off of uh, the success of a team. You see that in Georgia (laughs) politics way too much. And with a likable guy like Joe Burrow, who, yeah, I feel like if Joe Burrow were to run for any kind of office down the road, he's we we've talked a lot about how he's the most universally loved athlete right now. And, and so I could see piggybacking off of his success, but the manner in which he did it is is what gets to me, well, Mike. And, you know, Doug, I think it actually makes it even a little bit worse because um, Burrow is a natural at this. Yeah. And. I think it was last year where he talked something about, you know, that they had beat the second best team in the NFL a couple times in a row, right? Referring to the, referring to the royalty of the chiefs. So, and I think that's what actually makes it worse for the the Cincinnati mayor. And I read the, I just read the early life section. There's no references to playing a sport. He ran for senior. Uh, the only thing it mentions from his youth is running for senior class president of his high school. There we go. There we go. Uh, right but, in line with what you were saying. You know, if Joe Burrow is, you know, throwing it out there in terms of, you know, the refund policy in the NFL and, you know, mm-hmm. I've beat the second best, you know, team in the NFL three times in a row, he doesn't need your help, you mm-hmm. know? And I think that's kind of a, that's kind of a key thing in all this. Um, 
now even on the other side, I wasn't tremendously impressed by the uh, the Chiefs tight end sort of calling him out there, kind of going for his own kind of moment. Mm-hmm. It, it, but I mean, I you know I, I understand it, and I, I'm, part of me wonders is is this kind of the social media disease? And all these guys are now trying to be. They're very quickly stepping. You mentioned some of the classic trash talkers out there. Yeah, I think back to guys like you know Rick, the the W, the wrestlers, the Rick Flairs of the world. Right, these are the guys that are professionals at that. And you know, just I mean, I hate to say it, it's so cliched, but you know, kind of stay in your lane, or even know your abilities. Maybe know your abilities. Know your abilities. Stay in your lane. I, you know, I saw a good video of a. Chiefs player after the game talking smack about the Bengals saying, you know, they're going home. They're in the locker room crying. We're going to the Super Bowl. And I like post-game trash talk as a fan a lot more than pre-game trash talk. So that's my 10 cents. But I got to ask, Mike, is Bengals Chiefs, is that becoming the rivalry that we thought Bills Chiefs was going to be with these two quote-unquote generational quarterbacks? the fan bases seem to have developed a hate the players seem to kind of hate each other and it's you know, it's kind of glorious to watch i did some media last week with um some guys from buffalo some journalists yeah. from buffalo and and really really smart guys and you know the the tenor of the questions was really um really impressive really thoughtful guys mm-hmm. and it was an interesting conversation you think about um like the, the Buffalo fan base is still reeling after mm-hmm. after that defeat. And it makes sense. And, you know, we forget things quickly. But think about what that community has gone through in terms of, you know, I think that grocery store shooting was, you know, at the beginning of the, basically at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. uh, blizzards that killed, I want to say, you know, three, four dozen people, mm-hmm. um, games canceled because of other blizzards. And, and then, the, you know, DeMar Hamlin. DeMar Hamlin, yeah. And so that community ends up being rocked. And that's that's a small community, the second smallest market in the NFL, just bigger than than Green Bay. But I think you could almost argue because the way Green Bay is sort of the fan base, you know, they have all of Wisconsin, that Buffalo is the smallest natural fan base in the league. And so this fan base, this was okay, you tell me if I'm getting this wrong, if I'm misremembering. This was Buffalo's year, right? Mm-hmm. The, at the beginning of this year, it was they had literally Superman at quarterback, right? This, you know, this this specimen, this physical outlier amongst everyone. It was his time to get to that next level. They'd been knocking on the door. They go through this tumultuous local, local, you know, season in terms of the local community, and then Joe Burrow knocks them down. I think right now, and again, these kind of hot takes and these narratives based on you know what happened in a week or two. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think Buffalo is Buffalo looks like that third. This looks like um, you know whatever great quarterback rivalry you want to think of in the past is Mahomes versus Burrow, and Allen is the third guy. You know. Yeah, and there might be some recency bias because NFC Championship. I mean, AFC Championship last year. Bills Chiefs was a classic. I think everyone wanted to see that this year. And Burrow stole the show the week before. And I'm just saying what it feels like, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And well, you know, it, it, that's why I'm asking. It's like it is starting to feel like Buffalo's time has passed, which I'm not saying it has. It just feels that way. 
And I, I saw a Barstool article. I didn't click on it. And the headline, of course, was trolling. And it said, is the Bills dynasty over? Um, of course, Bills haven't won any championships. So it's not a dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> but um, And I had a picture of Josh Allen sitting there with his hands on his head. But the, the Bills... Definitely, I, I know there's gonna that fan base can be even more hungry next year because they feel now they feel like disrespected or overlooked in the sense of they went from being the class of the AFC in the preseason to being the number three team. You know, not the big story, not the big rivalry even at this point with the Bengals establishing such hatred from the chiefs last year, eliminating them from the playoffs or eliminating them from the super bowl. Um, and moving forward, I think the expectation is until proven otherwise, Joe Burrow is going to be right there knocking on the door, you know, within a game of the super bowl. And I don't think anyone has the chiefs losing in the first two rounds of the playoffs. And so until proven otherwise, the bills kind of are that third team and they've got such a passionate, but small fan base and they have been through a lot this year. They're reeling. And I think that team is what brings that community together and a lot of those people. And so to have that, you know, where it, people might have in their head thought something special was going to happen and it just disappears and got to wait another year to, to prove your place in the NFL. And nothing you can achieve in the regular season really means anything at this point for a team like that. Until you get the job done in the postseason, you're going to be doubted. No, they, I mean, that's, their trajectory is that, right? That they yeah. they are an elite team with an elite defense, great wide receiver, Superman at quarterback, uh, passionate fan base with its own nickname. You know, tables are being destroyed on a regular basis. Yes. And now, and again, just at this moment, I mean, you know, the other thing that is always tough that people overlook, I mean, maybe they don't overlook it, but this natural cycling of NFL teams, right? If you've been winning 12, 13 games in a row – every season it tends to mean that you've got a lot of really good talent on your team and so then you've got to start paying the you got to pay the quarterback right and that's that's you know a big chunk of your salary cap and you got to start playing these other these other players at the same time you're playing the you know the the first place schedule and that's why you tend to see this regression downward that these championship windows close mm -hmm. Kansas City's kind of unique in that they've withstood that, right? They it, this this run has been going on for like I think six years now. Yeah, Cincinnati is sort of coming up on that because you know Joe Burrow is still on that rookie quarterback, yeah. so it does seem that Buffalo is the most vulnerable uh, to those to those big three. Yeah, in Cincinnati, I think there's a question as to whether they'll be able to keep T. Higgins and Jamar Chase because those guys are going to have to get paid as well as Joe Burrow. Kansas City, yeah, they've sustained their success, but at the same time, they're a team that won a Super Bowl. I, I don't know if Mahomes was on his first contract, but they were still built where they had a lot of – like Mahomes inherited a lot of talent. He, he came into a team that was winning with Alex Smith at quarterback. And so – they took the next step with Mahomes, but once Mahomes signed his big money deal, we've saw. I mean, we saw it in the Super Bowl last year. His offensive line talent went down because there's less money to go around for the rest of the team. That's how it works. That's what you don't see in baseball as much as these salary cap uh, limitations. And, and when you do have a successful player like that, and Mike, to be honest, I think that's part of why like the Steelers won a couple when Ben Roethlisberger was on his first contract. 
Um, I mean, we've seen some young quarterbacks have success. I think that's part of why Joe Burrow made the Super Bowl so early in his career. And it gets harder and harder for those guys um, as they become veterans. And so, and we saw that like Aaron Rodgers right now. He hasn't had a team in years that was Super Bowl eligible. He hasn't had the receiver talent. He hasn't had, you know, and so uh, you see that in the league and it does get harder for these guys. And so, you know, the Bills are kind of in a place where, their window's not closed. Um, and and I think in time they're going to get one. But you do have to start getting a little bit anxious when you're looking at what the Chiefs and what the Bengals are doing. And I think the biggest thing is just the perception amongst fans that, you know, I think there's a lot more excitement around the Bengals at this point. Yeah, and I, I think you're casting it exactly right, though, that the – and again – the overreactions are always tremendous in the world of sports, and this may change again very quickly here, but it does look like that the NFL for the 2020s is going to be the Mahomes versus Burrow kind of rivalry. Now, it is kind of, you know, and we have plenty of time in the offseason to talk about some of this stuff. <clears throat> you know, for the NFL, <sighs> your glamour quarterbacks and and like the quarterback talent seems to be concentrated in the AFC may well be in Kansas City, Cincinnati, Buffalo, Cincinnati. Buffalo and maybe the second tier team, the second t- brand name in the struggling Los Angeles football market. Right. Right. Ouch in a way. Yeah. And I, I kind of hate that it's all in the AFC, not just the markets that they're in, but mm-hmm. like, for example, if we had, Josh Allen playing anywhere in the NFC and making the Super Bowl and we would get the the classic matchup of Burrow versus Mahomes and then you would get another great matchup with Mahomes or Burrow versus Josh Allen potentially and I'm not to discredit Jalen Hurts uh, but Hurts is a guy going into the year that some people didn't know if he was a franchise quarterback Um, and so it's a different different ball game in the NFC Stafford uh, a year ago in the Super Bowl and You've got the veteran Tom Brady, but I mean, well past his prime as we know, and on a team that seems to be on a downward trajectory at the moment. And well, so, you know, and, and Aaron Rodgers as well. I mean, you know, and, and again, we got plenty of time in the offseason, so I almost want to kick some of this stuff down the road. Yeah. Man, we're going to have an interesting free agency, you know, free agency season in the NFL at the quarterback position. Um, you know, Brady being a free agent, I believe. Rogers being someone very willing to trade. Yeah. And and so what who are your standard bearers in the in the NFC? The 49ers you know? with three potential starting quarterbacks, but also three guys that not a lot of people seem to want, except maybe Trey Lance. I don't know. It's it's a unique situation in the NFC, but the, the AFC is just so stacked. Uh, yeah. I mean when when Justin Herbert is like the fourth or fifth guy on the list. Mm-hmm. That that is a stacked quarterback league. Well, okay, so switching over to the other side of the ledger, the Eagles going yep. to the the Eagles going to the Super Bowl. You know, San Francisco, the the 49ers this year, and, and again, that was the the team I got the most wrong in the preseason projections. Um, you know, I, I looked at that and go, Jimmy G's a, a plus one guy. You're switching to a rookie, which means you're gonna, you know, lose let's say three, four, essentially a rookie um, in terms of experience, you're going to lose three games more that knocked him down a level. 
but um, I believe Purdy was undefeated as a starter until the game, right? Or, or, yep. or no, he had never lost. He had okay, never lost. He had never lost. So the 49ers are a, an anomaly in terms of how good that team must be in terms of the the support structure that the leading man essentially doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. That Jimmy G – I mean, look, Trey Lance – I mean, what would people be talking about if Trey Lance had come in and had the season that Brock Purdy had had? That would have be been future like future of the league. Yeah. Future of the league where Brock yeah. Purdy, they look at it and go, eh, you know, good run. We'll see. Yeah. It's he's still in that Cooper Rush, Heineke tier, I think, where people think it might be a little bit of a fluke, but he he did a really good job. because uh, that's Cooper Rush. Uh, he didn't win. I mean, he didn't lose a game for till his very last game with the Cowboys, won like five games straight, uh, <laughs> or or something. And Heineke had a run like that at one point in Washington with the commander R word football team. And and so I feel like Brock Purdy gets that perception. I don't know that it's fair. I don't know that it's unfair though, yeah. given what we've seen from some of the, you know, Nick Foles years back winning a Super Bowl with the Eagles. But I got to say, I feel for 49ers fans and I have a good friend who's a 49ers fan and they have had so many teams come so close in my lifetime going back to, in timeout, timeout. In your lifetime, yeah, yeah, I know. In my lifetime, 49ers fans have had plenty of enough. Runs. Yeah, yeah. but I'm saying, like, I have friends that are 25, 26, 27, you know, year old 49ers fans, and I remember the Giants, my Giants, beating the Niners in the playoffs in a game where the 49ers punt returner was injured, and their second string punt returner muffed a punt that gave the Giants the game winning field goal. <laughs> A candlestick and I, it seems like they're in the nfc championship every other year they've made the super bowl i remember colin kaepernick making, i remember when colin kaepernick was supposed to be the next guy he was kind of thought of as in the same way that mahomes was thought of after a year or two where he was really he was winning a lot of games he was tearing it up on the ground he was making all the throws he i remember reading a sports illustrated article saying you know he's got andrew luck's head he's got you know, this guy's arm, he's got Michael Vick's wheels, he's got he's the guy. And then they've had so many of the guys. Alex Smith was supposed to be the guy. Kaepernick was supposed to be the guy. Uh, Trey Lance uh supposed to be Garoppolo was supposed to be the guy. They paid him a lot of money when they brought him over. And they keep coming so close and, and making it so far. Um, and in the words of Lincoln Park, it didn't even matter. So <laughs> I mean, what do you, you know? I mean, I'll, I'll say this in terms of like an inter, you know, the off season and going into next year, that 49ers quarterback room is the most interesting quarterback room in the league on some level, right? Yeah. In terms of all three of these guys might be exactly the same in terms of potential and, yeah, and they might be exactly the I mean, I, I mean, as crazy as that sounds, given how different they are in terms of, you know levels of athleticism versus you know the, the styles of games they play and being a veteran versus relative rookies uh, you know as a fan i suspect it's the most interesting quarterback room in the in the league and, and as a fan it's amazingly frustrating yeah like if i'm a fan i kind of want them to make a trade for rodgers or sign brady right yeah and i've seen this. Or that run you know, for the yeah, one I've seen the speculation. The yeah, they just want that one year. And like long term, 
you know, if Trey Lance is going to be a 10-year starter, and I don't know that he is, I've never been a huge believer in him. We've hardly seen him play. But let's say, theoretically, he's to be a 10-year starter. Is it worth giving up 10 years of a really good quarterback for one year of a guy that might give you more of an advantage that year and potentially winning a Super Bowl? The Buccaneers would probably say yes with their experience with Brady. Um, And I think most fans would give up 10 years of mediocre quarterback play for one year of great. But is at this point in their careers, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady is, is the marginal difference. Like is the QB wins metric between them and a guy like Brock Purdy or them and Trey Lance or them and Jimmy G that significant to give up a future with one of those young quarterbacks? You know, it, it's kind of funny. And, and, and Brady's, Brady's really an interesting story statistically, right? Because when you look back over the last – um, okay, so he's not in this year's Super Bowl. He's not in last year's Super Bowl. He was in the one before that. Um, then he missed the 2019 Super Bowl, but he was in the 2018 Super Bowl, and he was in the 2017 Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And, and so on some level, and look, I, I get that the guy is aging. He's been in like half of the last six Super Bowls, Doug. Yeah. Right? I mean, so it's it's kind of remarkable. He, he threw for the second most yards in the league this year. Uh, very it's a it's an interesting thing to to look at. I mean, I it, it's mystifying. And, and look, so maybe if you're the 49ers, I mean, you know, I love a good story more than anything. I, I sign Brady. Roll the I dice. Send Jimmy. I send Jimmy G packing for a nice symmetry there, and then Trey Lance is the backup. You know, I mean, it's what about Brock Purdy? Uh, Third string? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I've. I don't know. I mean, if I'm Tom Brady, now that's the situation I want to be in. The playmakers they have mm-hmm. in San Francisco, the coaching staff, the defense, all of it is superior to a situation in Tampa, in my opinion. And so if I'm yeah. Brady and I'm ring chasing, that's what I do. If I want to be in the best position to win one more, which I'm sure he's at a point where that's what he wants, uh, that's that's what that's the route I'm gonna go. If I I just if I'm the 49ers, I don't know because it's one of those things. Giving up Jimmy G is one thing. If they end up giving up one of the young quarterbacks um, to make it happen, to make room on the, you know, yeah. whatever. If they want, if they want to not have four quarterbacks or three quarterbacks on their roster, they're going to have to do that. And giving up a bright future for one run that could, with one injury or one, one thing, the ball doesn't bounce your way one time, and it's all it all blows up in your face. So it's a gamble if that's what they do. Well, but I'm but- here for it. I'd love to see it. Doug, think about how, this is how weird the NFL gets, though. So let's say they go out and they pay Brady $40 million next year, $45 million, right? Because the quarterback salary market is also going to get even weirder with Lamar Jackson. And Yeah. Okay, so let's say you pay him $45 million. So you're paying him the same amount of money as Kyler Murray, $46.3 million, I think. So you give Brady that. And, yeah. and the, does that make any sense that Brady can't command more money than Kyler Murray in a one-year deal? Strange stuff, right? The other two guys are still on, you know, rookie quarterback deals. So the 49ers would actually still be have a relatively low priced quarterback room compared to to a lot of other organizations. Um, Now, I'm with you. There's something about it that seems nuts to go out there and get a 46 or 47 year old guy. But But when you've come close this many times, I mean, when you've come that close, they've been within a game or two games of Super Bowl champs. Five times in the last, I don't know, 10 years, 20, uh, 15 years. I I, can't, I don't know exactly, but they've been so close so many times. And maybe that's what it takes to get over the hump. Maybe that's 
that's the and difference. He, and even a very weird part of this story, Brady doesn't get sacked very much, which yeah, means which that he he doesn't run and he's he gets the ball out of there very quickly. Quick, yeah. So he might be actually less injury prone than the other three guys that are in the equation. You know what's I mean, weird about this whole decision? Like looking at the unrestricted quarterbacks. I need to see who all is unrestricted, but I know Daniel Jones is, and I know Tom Brady. I believe Tom Brady is. Tom Brady is. Lamar Jackson yeah. is. Lamar Jackson, of course. Okay, well, even let's say Lamar Jackson, Daniel Jones, Tom Brady. Let's say those are your three you're deciding between if you're the Niners. Weird thing is for me, like for most teams, like for the Giants, I would much rather re-sign Daniel Jones for the long haul than sign Tom Brady for one year. Um, I, I mean, if they signed Brady for one year, I would get behind it and and try to enjoy it. That would be so weird to watch him in a Giants uniform. <laughs> but looking at the health of the franchise and the long-term future of the team, you'd probably rank your three options as Jones because he's the youngest and he's got the most upside uh, long-term. Then Lamar Jackson because he's the second youngest and he plays at a very high level and he looks like he can win a lot of games now. And then Brady because he might give you one or two years um, but he's clearly, you know, physically, he only has so much left that he can do. And unless you're going to win a Super Bowl, it's probably not worth giving up a few, you know, a franchise quarterback for. And in this sense, the opportunity okay. cost would be a Daniel Jones. But for the 49ers, it's like it would seem bizarre if they were to go get Daniel Jones. Like now, that wouldn't make I, any sense. So for it just depends on the team. Now, let me put, um, let me advocate for Tom Brady because you know he needs the he needs the help, right? He doesn't have enough going for him. Brady to me might be the most attractive of those guys because he doesn't want a long-term deal. Yeah. And so if the quarterback market is now set out there that not only to get Lamar Jackson do you have to give him, you know, X dollars guaranteed, you probably have to give them those dollars guaranteed for five years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Lamar Jackson, you are tying yourself to him for a quarter of a billion dollars, let's say $50 million by five years. Tom Brady, maybe it's 50, maybe it's $55 million and out, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't like the idea of having, you know, I don't like the idea of having Lamar Jackson to allocate that amount, you know, a quarter of the salary cap for five, six years. You don't want I don't, to be paying them in his mid thirties, basically. I don't want to allocate that to any of these guys yeah. with the exception of, you know, maybe Herbert or Her, Burrow. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think the flip side of that is like, as a fan, I never want my team to end up in the situation that the Seahawks have been in, which I know they had a decent year given the circumstances, Seahawks, Broncos, some of these teams that they they watch their franchise guy go at some point. Um, they're they've been winning enough games that they're not getting a top guy. And they're not getting a Justin Herbert type in the draft. You know, they're not going to get C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young in this year's draft, and so they get stuck with a mediocre quarterback like filling in the gap for several years. And that's that's not what's not what a fan wants. And so avoiding that, I think, is kind of tricky. Like if you go get a Tom Brady and he plays for a year and you win 11 games and make a playoff run and then he's done, he retires, whatever, and your team's drafting number 25 in the draft, you're not going to be positioned for a top quarterback. Uh, but that's where the Niners are in a good spot because it's like their next guy could already be on the roster. It could be Trey Lance or it could be Brock Purdy. So 
interesting situation, but I think if anyone can can afford to pay Brady for one year and it makes sense for them, it's probably got to be the Niners. And mm-hmm. if I'm a Niners fan, you know, it's got to be weird to be one of those fans and to sell yourself on Trey Lance being the future MVP <laughs> of the league and then sell yourself on Jimmy Garoppolo being good enough to get the job yeah. done and then sell yourself on Brock Purdy being the wonder kid that goes full Tony Romo and ends up having this phenomenal NFL career after being overlooked his whole life and then sell yourself on, on another guy, uh, another situation. But getting back to what I was saying about Daniel Jones versus Tom Brady, Daniel Jones, Lamar Jackson versus Tom Brady. It feels to me, Mike, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, that the QB wins metric, your metric for if a, if a player's on a team, uh, how many wins that they marginally contribute versus the average quarterback. It feels different based on what team the player's going to. And I know the metric accounts for the team that the guy's played for. It tries to level the playing field as best possible. But to me, it seems like Daniel Jones might be a plus one in New York, but a minus one in San Francisco. Or... I mean, or Tom Brady might be a minus one in New York, but a plus two in in San Francisco, if that gotta, makes sense. I mean, I got to kind of push back. I, I mean, sort of like, yeah. I mean, that's the whole point to get away from that. But I and I think there is like almost this like, you know, that is the way everyone reacts to analytics, right? Yeah. To sort of want to go a little bit beyond what's in the analytics. I mean, you know. I mean, that's the whole point to the way I developed it to control uh-huh. for that, would to bring in the defense and the 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 way maybe offensive play differently depending on the quality of the defense. I mean, so it's it, it's it, it's in there. Now, I will say this: I think I think quarterbacks are a you know what I'm I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull back on this. I mean, I, I think I, I struggle with some of it. Like, I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna claim that I understand the position completely because I honestly don't think anyone does. Right. I right. mean, you know, one of the narratives going into the season was, you know, Mahomes just lost the cheetah, you know? Yeah. No one even remembers that anymore. Yeah. Right? Scott, they ever played together. And, and so when I've, you know, pulled data and looked at the level of talent on the field surrounding quarterbacks and then looked at quarterback performance, I, I don't find much. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's the and, and so let's the, I mean, this, this might get a this might be a little much for a podcast. And so on average, I should say that I don't find much. Now, mm-hmm. we look at what happened this year in some place like Green Bay and, you know, in the case of Aaron Rodgers, it does seem like the lack of talent or talent that maybe he wasn't happy with did impact his performance. Yeah. So on on average, maybe the way to put it is on average, a guy that's plus one in one city is going to be plus one in another city. But there are, you know, that's exactly. how statistical models work. Right. But there's always going to be the there, there's going to be the exceptions. And again, mm-hmm. I, I think that's probably a terrible explanation for everyone except the statisticians out there. So sure. Well, yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah. And to think think of Aaron Rodgers and that Niners. Often. I mean, the Niners to me is like such an attractive situation with the line that they have, the receivers that they have, the defense they have, the coaches they have. And if I'm Aaron Rodgers and I'm going to get traded, I'm pushing for that. You know, trade me for 
Trey Lance, trade me for, <laughs> for uh, which would be another interesting situation if Trey Lance and Jordan Love ended up on the same team competing and, for a job. And Doug, Aaron Rodgers in San Francisco, that's a match made in heaven, isn't it? Oh my gosh, I didn't even think romance. about that. Yeah, him being the way that he is and San Francisco being the way that it is. So that's another scenario. It's going to be a fun offseason. It's always fun when big players like that are on the move uh, in ways that could potentially shape the future of the league or the near future of the league. So what do you think? And well, I mean, you know, and, and look, I, I, it wasn't entirely intentional on my part. I've got almost nothing to say about Jalen hurts. I mean, I really, like you know, no one, no one knows what to do with him. I always think in terms of the narratives and his narrative was that, you know, his long-term story, right. Is he, he lost his job at Alabama then ended up what was he like a mid-round draft pick third round something like that do you know um maybe squeeze let me just look real quick yeah yeah and so like the whole trajectory changes from like this is the next great Alabama quarterback yeah okay second round to this is a guy that lost his lost his job and now has to prove himself Mm -hmm. and when you look at the stats he was never a bad player had some rookie year wasn't great rookie year was solid his second year and is now you know had 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 a great season but you know in the absence of that and again as an analyst you know i want to self-correct for this you know i want to let the numbers speak but it's that's a very kind of fuzzy one to me in terms of projecting out is this is this he just on this trajectory to become the next a next top five top ten guy I honestly don't know. That Eagles team also strikes me as very good. Yes. Yeah. No, he's on a very good team. He's in a great situation. I was talking to someone yesterday during the game and saying, what is the difference between Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields? Because as a prospect, Fields is the better passer. They were both success. They were both Heisman candidates, but Fields is a better passer, the better runner, faster, stronger, bigger. He's a bigger, faster, stronger Jalen Hurts. And it's like if you put Fields in that Eagle situation, is he tearing it up right now? Um, and these are the things where we we will never know for sure. But so it, with Hurts, there's kind of this perception that maybe he's just really fortunate and in a great situation. But for the longest time, I was one of those guys with Brady that was like, he's just, you know, he inherited a dynasty. And of course he's winning. Like if you put Stafford there, if you put Aaron Rodgers there, you put any of the top 10 quarterbacks in that situation, they're going to be winning Super Bowls, which is probably true. But Brady went in one year one with the Bucks, which was the ultimate prove it for his career. And retrospectively, probably the greatest achievement in his career, uh, given what he inherited in New England. And so with Hurts, I don't think anyone, he doesn't get the buzz. Like if Justin Herbert were doing this, people would be freaking out about it. And he's, it's not like he's a veteran guy. Like he's a pretty young quarterback. And I, I think like you said, I think there's this bias everyone has in their head due to the fact that he got beat out at Alabama or he lost his job. He didn't get beat out. He lost his job. He started, he started as a true freshman in Alabama, which is a heck of an accomplishment. Led his team to the college football playoff both years that he started. That Georgia defense that tore him up in the national championship was generational. They were phenomenal. And Tua came in probably looked better comparatively to Hertz because Georgia didn't have the tape on Tua that they had on Hertz because the next year, I don't know if you remember this, Mike, the next year SEC championship game, a year of film on Tua, he goes out there against Georgia and Georgia is just eating him alive. 
He gets hurt. Jalen Hurts comes in the game, and the, the f- script reverses. Hurts is the hero of that game. He leads the comeback for Alabama. And so I don't know that after seeing that happen, it was like maybe it was kind of a situational thing where, where Tua looked so much better due to the situation. And seeing the way Hurts played at Oklahoma – certainly silenced some of his doubters and then of course i you know going to the nfl my comparison was dak prescott i just to me it seems like he's better than dak prescott and he's better than justin fields and i don't right now um and it's hard to attribute what exactly it is other than his situation but i think the guys it it sounds silly i i mean this is one of those things that you say about people who get lucky or, or have you know, good situations, but it's like, he's a winner. You know, he's just a winner. He's got that intangible that not everyone has where he gets, he's a leader. He gets the job done in ways that you can't measure on the the 40 yard dash. You know, out of the last three, out of the last four guys standing, and this is kind of crazy given who, you know, the 49ers quarterback was Hertz seems to have the least kind of media glow. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. And going into this, you know, we're we're all back on board. The Pat Mahomes is this gener- He's the next goat. He's now yep. just layering his stats to inevitably catch up with Brady. And then you got this other guy that's almost, you know, almost waiting for them to start to refer to him as this blue collar kind mm-hmm. of journeyman yep. quarterback for the for the Philadelphia Eagles who last time they were there had Nick Foles as a quarterback that they just, they, they just plug a blue collar guy in and they go to, and they go to war. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, to that point, I would say I've heard goat used in reference to every quarterback in these (laughs) final four. Now with Purdy, it's, could he be the next Brady because he was drafted so late, but there's still that association with, what yeah. if this guy ends up being the GOAT? Wouldn't that be crazy? With Joe Burrow, there are people who legitimately, myself included, think you know he very well may be the GOAT over the course of his career. We'll see how it plays out. And then, of course, with Patrick Mahomes, he's been that next in line behind Brady, and he's he's a more talented player. And so if he's able to achieve the same things with Super Bowls, which he's kind of on pace to do, of course, you're never on pace for what Tom Brady's done. But he's as close to on pace as you can be for how young he is in his career. There's that goat conversation. The and the one quarterback who hasn't gotten I, I've never heard the word goat associated with Jalen Hurts. And it has nothing to do with how he's performed or the outcomes of the games he's played in because he's done nothing but win and succeed for his early career in the NFL. And so will the perception change after the Super Bowl? I think we'll see. But I'll say this, just purely based on that. I think a lot of people are just assuming because of their glow, because of Patrick Mahomes glow that the chiefs, you know, pretty much have it in the bag now because they're not playing a Brady or they're not playing an Aaron Rodgers. but man, that Eagles team is a heck of a football team. I mean, they have just run through the competition, these playoffs. And, you know, if I'm a chiefs fan, I am not overconfident going into that matchup. So I would be very curious to see how perception of Jalen hurts transforms. If he is to lead, those Eagles to a Super Bowl this year. Um, Do you have a prediction for the game? Oh man, it's early. Get back to me next week. I need to think, I need to, I need to watch some film. I need, (laughs) I need to sit on this one. Um, You know, prediction though, I, during the games yesterday, they showed the ad from last year with Eli Manning singing uh, good for you by Olivia Rodrigo. And you've got to have the Manning brothers in a Super Bowl ad. 
So that's going to be my one. You, when we talk about universally loved athletes, current athlete, Joe Burrow, former athlete, Charles Barkley, Shaq. But I mean, the Manning brothers are up there, right? Who hates them? Who hates Eli Manning other than okay. Patriots fans? Okay, Doug. I mean, it, and we'll get to, you know, some data and prediction in just a second. Yeah, yeah. I know you're an Eli Manning guy. It seems like every time Eli appears with Peyton in an ad, he is soundly defeated by Peyton. Yeah, that's just who he is. It's okay. part of his thing. It's always been his thing, but he he just owns it, and I love it. It's endearing. I mean, the 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 latest one where it's like, you know, where Peyton claims that his mom is on the phone, and mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it's they're they're those guys are golden and um, play their roles beautifully. They're like Joe Burrow if he wasn't cool. <laughs> but if he was self like if he was comfortable in his own skin, but not cool, that's that's the Mannings. So yeah, I got to see. Eli had one of my favorite Super Bowl commercials ever with Odell Beckham Jr. and they did the scene from Dirty Dancing where Eli lifts up. Uh, and I think that ad was just for the NFL. But if you're the NFL, you've got to capitalize on the likability of those guys. So I'm predicting that. I'm predicting. You know, I'll say this every year. People get excited for the ads, and then afterwards they say, it wasn't as good as last year. It wasn't as good. There weren't all the classics that we've had in the past. And so I always expect that. I always expect people to be a little disappointed by that. Rihanna halftime show. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Like it's, I just I, I, expect it to be like a lot of halftime shows. Yeah, I want you to save that because we got next week to it for a full Super Bowl preview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna, last year, I'm, I will say last year's halftime show was really well received and somewhat original in the sense that we hadn't had like a, a real true hip hop rap super bowl now as you were talking i was pulling a little bit of data so i've been pulling some data today looking at quarterback performance and who's won the last looks like i i I entered data on the last 11 super bowls yeah looking at the passer rating and touchdown to interception ratio and you 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 referenced it's like going into these games you think oh you know it's the it's the 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 quarterback the the ultra gunslinger the top guy is the Montana's or, you know, the Terry Bradshaw's or Troy Aikman's. These are the guys that win the Super Bowl. Yeah. I'll be honest with you, Doug. I, when I look at the last 11 Super Bowls, the quarterback with the higher NFL passing ratio uh, rating, the, you know, the standard passer statistic, won two, got, two times out of the last 11 seasons. And in terms of touchdown to interception ratio, the the guy with the better ratio won four out of the last eleven games. Eleven games or seasons? Eleven seasons. Sorry. Okay, okay. So, yeah. You know, it's when you when you go back and you start to look, and look, I was pulling pulling some data and looking at correlations, and I'll be honest with you, I, I'm not going to use quarterback data to make a bet on the on the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see that there's a lot there. I mean, you go back and you look at, you know, who wins these games. Because I would think, and again, <clears throat> kind of the cognitive bias that, oh, yeah, you got to have the quarterback, the number one quarterback. Yeah. Man, I think on average, maybe you don't, which is a, a strange way to think about it. I can't totally get my head around that. But you go back over over the years and look, Stafford beat Burrow. An older Brady beat a younger Mahomes. Mahomes beat Garoppolo. Okay, there's one, right? Yeah. Uh, Brady beat uh, Goff. 
Foles beat Brady. How about that one? <laughs> um, Brady beat Matt Ryan. Uh, Peyton Manning beat Cam Newton. But that was a Peyton Manning that could barely function. And that was, that yeah. was like an MVP Cam Newton. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Peyton um, was not very good. That Joe, F- Joe Flacco. Well, Russell Wilson beat Peyton Manning. Joe Flacco beat Kaepernick. And remember what you were saying about Kaepernick early, no, right? He had all the hype. He had all the hype. Eli beat Brady and Rodgers beat Roethlisberger. So, you know, it's, yeah, man, it's a, it's a coin flip. I think when you look at it from that perspective, statistically, yeah, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty even across the board. I'll say this though, in terms of playoff success, it seems like some quarterbacks turn it on in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking like Joe Burrow definitely is one of those guys. Um, Eli yeah. Manning was one of those guys in his career and Nick Foles, there, there have been several quarterbacks who turn it on in the playoffs. And then we've got guys who always light it up all season long and they put up the numbers. And whether it's just their team not playing a good game or maybe they don't play as well in cold weather or, or what the deal is. And I'm thinking like Lamar Jackson is one of these guys who at least the perception of him, you know, the difference in the hype around Lamar Jackson, I see people compare him and Burrow all the time because they're in the same division. And the Jackson stands will say, he's a better quarterback. Look at the stats. And the stats across the board, more yards, more yards rushing, more touchdowns, more less interceptions, like across the board. But it's like, come playoff time, not a lot of success. Um, And I think, unfortunately for him, and I don't think it's fair to him because I think last year, Josh Allen's Bills team probably was better than the team that made the Super Bowl, but the overtime rules. I mean, he it's not like he played a bad game in that AFC championship. We'll just say that. But Josh Allen is starting to get that label of, can he get the job done? Can he finish the job? Um, and it's not like he's on a bad team like Stafford was for so long. And so some of these guys turn it on in the playoffs. And it's like, you can separate. Like, I want to see playoff-only stats for Joe Burrow versus Lamar Jackson. And I want to see, and I think a lot of fans are that way when they're when come free agency or come the draft, you know, when, when the team's making decisions, who's going to be the guy, like there's a lot of guys that can put up numbers during the year. Who's going to be the guy that wins games come playoff time. And I think Burroughs are in that Brady. Certainly Brady played on teams and the, you know, that barely make the playoffs and then they go make the Super Bowl inevitably. It's like Tom Izzo in the NCAA tournament where it's like, they could be the 12 seed. They could be the 13 seed that could be the two seed like michigan state's gonna be a scary team uh come postseason and there are certain teams gonzaga for the longest time was one that would never make a run even if they won 30 games in the year and i think that's like the equivalent of lamar jackson so just my observation on playoff quarterbacks kind of piggybacking on what you're saying about the the super bowl and doug i think we're gonna cut it right here because we've already we've already started to go a little deep and we gotta have some <laughs> We got to have something to talk about next week, Super Bowl related. So, yeah. as always, guys, more content at www.fandomanalytics.com. Like and subscribe.